Welcome to the Hedgemaker Broadcast. The prophet Ezekiel prophesied to the nation of Israel many long years ago. Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. He also said that the Lord sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Hedgemaker Baptist Ministries, located in beautiful Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, is attempting to stand in the gap and make up the hedge in these days of spiritual compromise and theological apostasy. Our biblical and historical Christian heritage challenges us to fill in the gaps left by those who have moved away from their biblical foundation. Listen now as we build up the wall and make up the hedge through sound preaching from God's Holy Word. All right, once again this evening we're back in the Gospel of Mark chapter 13. We've been taking some time to look at the Olivet Discourse according to Mark, and we're up to the third sign of the end of the time. In Mark chapter 13, we're looking at eight signs, and then the the abomination of desolation will be sign number nine, eight signs of the end time. The disciples asked the Lord the question, verse 4, tell us when shall these things be and what? shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled. Sign number one was the sign of spiritual deception by the false Messiah. And this corresponds to uh, Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse according to Matthew 24. And the verse says, Many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. The second sign in verse 7 And when ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. Okay, so it's the beginning of sorrows, which is what he's going to say at the end of chapter, or verse 8. The nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And then the third sign, in the middle of verse 8, the natural disasters. Here in Mark, he will list, there shall be earthquakes in diverse places, there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. Earthquakes, famines, and troubles. And I believe that Matthew adds the word pestilence. Earthquakes, famines, and pestilence, uh, which could include disease like Ebola. So let's talk about these things. In Mostly, I think, Jeremiah He talks about the sword, the famine, and the pestilence, but earthquakes in diverse places, which cause lots of trouble. Earthquakes are related to a number of other natural disasters, like the volcanoes and the tsunamis and uh, other things. Natural disasters, and we get the impression from these verses that these things will increase. Different men like Salem Kerbin and Hal Lindsey and Uh, Those who have written on end-time events have recorded the number of earthquakes that have increased. We did look, I think, the last time at the book of Revelation. Earthquakes are mentioned several times in the book of Revelation. Revelation 6, 12, Revelation 11, 12, and 13, and verse 19, and also chapter 16. So evidently, throughout the course of the tribulation, you will have earthquakes. All right, just not right here at the beginning of the book of Revelation. 
And let's take our take our time to go back to Revelation chapter six, where we're also making a corollary to the uh, horse riders. We have the white horse rider in Revelation six. I believe that's the Antichrist. The white horse rider back in Revelation nineteen would be the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't confuse them. He comes with a bow and a crown, conquering and to conquer, saying that he's going to bring peace. And we've seen in Daniel's prophecy, the prophecy that he would uh, come and make a covenant with many, with the Israel, and uh, that will be a covenant of peace. The second seal opens in verse 3, and there is a red horse rider. The red horse rider was given power to take peace from the earth, and that there should be a killing one another, and there was given unto him a great sword. That would be the wars and the rumors of war. It's probably parallel to what Jeremiah and Isaiah say when they mention the sword, the famine, and the pestilence. Uh, the sword here is a method of uh, warfare. So the wars and the rumors of wars. Now, again, we're seeing these patterns. These are all going to take place in the beginning of the tribulation. Our particular theological position is that believers are raptured, caught up to meet the Lord in the air before the tribulation. We call it pre-tribulational rapture of the, of the church. So we won't see these things, but the pattern of these things is already developing because this pattern is a pattern that comes prior to any judgment of the Lord. And then the third seal in Revelation is opened in verse 5. And that is a black horse with its rider. And he is carrying a pair of balances in his hand. And one of the voices of the beast said, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. See, thou hurt not the oil and the wine. The oil and the wine were staple, but the wheat and the barley would be destroyed. So that's the famine. And the Bible talks about famines. There's a number of famines in the Bible. We've seen some of them already in the book of Genesis. There's a famine in the book of Acts. I think it even is called a great famine. In Acts chapter 11, it says, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. And uh, again, Josephus describes this famine as being so terrible that when flour was brought into the temple, not one of the priests was so hardy as to eat one crumb of it while so great a distress was upon the land. He says in another place, this is in his book called The Antiquities, a famine did oppress them, meaning Jerusalem, and many people died for want of what was necessary to procure food. <clears throat> and then uh, in the very last days before Jerusalem fell, so the fall of Jerusalem would have been A.D. 70, Josephus speaks of another terrible famine in the wars of the Jews. He says, it was now a miserable case and a sight that would justly bring tears into our eyes how men stood to their food while the more powerful had more than enough and the weaker were lamenting for want of it. And then again, another place, then did the famine widen its progress and devoured the people by whole houses and families. The upper rooms were full of women 
and children that were dying by famine. And the lanes of the city were full of dead bodies of the aged. The children also and the young men wandered about the marketplace like shadows, all swelled from famine, and fell down dead wheresoever their misery seized them. Well, what we're reading about and studying about here is a famine that is going to be terrible. I think it's going to be more terrible than anything the world has ever seen. If I understand the prophecies about these things, this black horse rider uh, seems to indicate that. But let me also take you to, let's go to Lamentations. Jeremiah writes Lamentations, that's the lamenting the condition of uh, the nation of Israel. Jeremiah was in Babylonian captivity. Lamentations chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Lamentations 4 and verse 9. They that be slain with the sword are better than they that be slain with hunger. For these pine away, stricken through for want of the fruits of the field. The hands of the pitiful women have sodden their own children. Sodden means to boil them. They were their meat in the destruction of the daughter of my people. I can't imagine people being that hungry. The second place I want you to go is the book of Joel. The prophecy according to Joel. Now, Joel is prophesying a locust plague. But let me, let me read what Joel says about this. Joel, let's begin on chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, ye old men, and give ear, all ye inhabitants of the land. Now, the old men would have lived a long time. They would have seen famines, perhaps or other things. Hath this been in your days, or even in the days of your fathers? So he's going to prophesy about something that's new, that's terrible, more terrible. Tell ye your children of it, and let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. That which the palmer worm hath left, hath the locust eaten, and that which the locust hath left, the canker worm eaten, and that which the canker worm hath left, the caterpillar hath eaten us, four waves of locusts. Awake, ye drunkards, and weep, and howl, all ye drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up upon my land, strong and without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he hath the cheek teeth of a great lion, I believe, that Joel is using the locust plague, which was a real pestilence in Joel's day. And we've had uh, various historical accounts of locust plagues around the world and how devastating they can be. And you can imagine four waves of these. The creatures are going to devour everything. And he's using it as a picture of the coming army, nation, that will devour the land of Israel probably reference to what the Bible refers to as the northern army. Verse 7 continues, He hath laid my vine waste like a plague of locusts, and barked my fig tree, took all the bark off. He hath made it clean bare, and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white. Lament, 
like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. Her husband died, so she's lamenting the loss of her husband. The meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests and the Lord's ministers mourn. The field is wasted. The land mourneth, for the corn is wasted. The new wine is dried up. The oil languisheth. Be ye ashamed, O ye husbandmen. Howl, O ye vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished. The vine is dried up, the fig tree languisheth, the pomegranate tree and the palm tree also, the apple tree, even all the trees of the field are withered, because joy is withered away from the sons of men. I saw it's a locust plague, which is going to cause a famine, Alright, and so there's a prophecy about that. Revelation is telling us, Jesus is telling us in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, or on the uh, Olivet Discourse, there's going to be a great famine. And then notice what he says in the next couple of verses. Verse 13, Joel 1, 13. Gird yourselves and lament ye priests. Howl ye ministers of the altar. Come, lie all night in sackcloth, a sign of mourning. Ye ministers of my God, for the meat offering and the drink offering is withholden from the house of our God, of your God. Sancti- you don't have enough for food, you'd let alone enough for an offering to bring the meat offering to the Lord. Sanctify ye a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God. Cry unto the Lord, alas, uh, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. Now here's where he tells us the prophecy is for the day of the Lord, which is the tribulation. So beginning there in Revelation chapter 6, the trouble of the tribulation. As the destruction from the Almighty it shall come, is not the meat cut off from before thine eyes? Yea, joy and gladness from the house of our God. The seed is rotten under their clods, the garners are laid desolate, the barns are broken down, for corn is withered. How do the beasts groan? They don't have any food, so they're moaning. The herds of cattle are perplexed because they have no pasture. Yea, the flocks of the sheep are made desolate. O Lord, to thee will I cry, for the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness, and the flame hath burned all the trees of the field. The beasts of the field cry also unto thee, for the rivers of waters are dried up, and the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. Now, again, Joel is prophesying a physical devastation from a from a locust plague which happened I believe in Joel's day I don't know if a locust plague is going to happen in the tribulation but there's certainly going to be famine and this northern army this nation which he's going to explain further into the book but notice again chapter 2 verse 2 this day of the Lord is called a day of darkness and of gloominess a day of clouds and thick darkness when the locusts come, it looks like clouds of thick darkness, as the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and strong, making the analogy between the locusts being like people, 
there hath not been ever the like, neither shall any more after it, even to the years of many generations. Okay, notice what he said there. There hath not ever been the like, neither shall there be any more after it. So something you've never seen. His address was, in chapter 1, verse 2, to the old men, those who have lived a while. You haven't seen this yet. Okay? Most of us have the t-shirt. We've been there, done that, seen it all. But he's telling these men, you haven't seen it yet. There is coming a trouble to the world that the world has not yet seen. Alright? And so then he goes on to describe it in other ways, like a fire, verse 3, and again he's making the analogy, the appearance of them is as the appearance of horses, so an army of horsemen. The locusts are like that. Verse 5, like the noise of chariots on the tops of the mountains shall they leap, like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth. So you have a famine, you have a fire. All of this is going to destroy the land. Verse 6, before their face the people shall be much pained. All faces shall be gathered blackness. They shall run like mighty men. They shall climb the wall like men of war. Again, referring to this this plague of locusts, like an army, but likened unto, I believe, the northern army that's going to come in like a flood to destroy the nation of Israel. And I think that's one of the reasons why the Antichrist pops on the scene to say, I will protect you against the northern army, and makes that covenant with them to uh, do that. But from the prophecy of Daniel and this prophecy here, that northern army comes in anyway. And uh, I believe that's going to happen in the middle of the tribulation. I'm getting ahead of myself with the chronology. But this famine. So a devastating famine that will cover the land. Again, Matthew adds the disaster of pestilence. Pestilence could be diseases. It could be things like a locust plague. So terrible things that will take place to create this famine in the nation of Israel. Chapter 13 and verse 8, he says, These things are the beginnings of sorrow. I think chronologically these things take place in the first half of the tribulation. Uh, So the first half of the tribulation is the beginning of the sorrows. The word sorrows is the word for birth pain, labor pain. In the Bible, it's the word travail, or travaileth, or travailing. Sign number four. These are signs of these end-time events. They will take place in the tribulation, but we should not be surprised if we see some of these things already taking place. Wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, pestilences, diseases, Ebola should be no surprise to us. But I think if not, well, I don't know. I was going to say these things, the famine and the pestilences, will probably be worldwide, but that's not necessarily the case. But there'll be many of them. Earthquakes in diverse places. All right, Mark chapter 13, verse 9. But take heed to yourselves. For they shall deliver you up to council. And in the synagogue ye shall be beaten, and ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. And the gospel must first be published 
among all nations. But when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak, neither do ye premeditate. For whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye. For it is not ye that speak, that prophecy is a prophecy for this end time. It is not a prophecy that we don't need to study, the, just stand up and let the Spirit of God guide you and speak something or another. And sign number four in this passage of Scripture is the persecution. Persecution by the civil and religious authorities. Persecution took place in Jesus' day. We touched on it a little bit in Sunday school. I don't remember the dates right offhand. We'll give those to you because the next church, the Smyrna church, is the persecuted church. The church faces, the early church faces persecution. Paul, well, before he was called Paul, Saul persecuted the church. So persecution is nothing new. Israel, in a sense, was persecuted all throughout Old Testament history. But notice what he says here. Take heed to yourselves. Yes, these events that we're describing the deception of the Antichrist, the wars and the rumors of wars, the famines, the pestilences, the sorrows and troubles are all great things, terrible things. And we can have the the, the tendency to focus on them, but Jesus is preaching to his disciples, take heed to yourself. When we see these things happening, are beginning to happen even in our day. We're not in the tribulation, so these things are not happening as Jesus prophesied them. But what is the message to us? Take heed to yourself. Take heed to yourself. We are to guard ourselves. Guard ourselves against false doctrine. Now, we can't stop the earthquakes. We can't really stop the famine. If a famine comes, you really can't stop it, and now you can try to hoard all you can and do all that sort of thing, but eventually a famine is going to catch everybody in its path. Joel made that plain in his prophecy, the locusts come and everything gets caught in its path. doesn't matter whether you're in the king's palace or where, everything gets caught in the path of a famine. But take heed to yourself. Make sure that you are right with the Lord. Guard against deception, you can do that. Whatever you can do against these terrible disasters, do what you can. Yes, but take heed to yourself. I think it's more along the lines of a spiritual recognition. Let's go to the Gospel of Matthew 24. and We've been making the analogy to these things. Let's pick up our reading in Matthew 24 at verse 9. And then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Now, he's preaching to Christians. Right? Who's, who is it that's being persecuted? In our world today, it's not just Christians who are persecuted. It's other people as well. And that's probably going to take place as well throughout the tribulation, but the, the reference is to believers. For my sake, then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. So the deception of the first sign will continue throughout that terrible time of the tribulation. 
And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end shall be saved. Now let's go to the book of Revelation, chapter 6 again. Revelation chapter 6. Let's see, we never opened the fourth seal. We've got to look at that first. Verse 7, Revelation 6, 7. The fourth seal is open, and now we have the pale horse rider. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death, and Hell followed with him. So there's evidently two riders on this horse, Death and Hell. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. So you have somewhat of a repetition of the wars, the famines, and uh, death was uh, as a result of those things. So that's the fourth seal. And then the fifth seal is open in verse 9. When he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Those would be believers. This is the persecution, I believe, that Jesus is talking about in the Olivet Discourse. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Now Jesus' warning was, take heed to yourself. These folks, the civil and the religious men, like they did with Jesus, the religious people arrested him. We had the three civil, uh, the religious trials and the three civil trials. So in the tribulation, Jesus told us in John 15, was it? Uh, not to marvel if they hated you, uh, if they hate you because they hated me before they hated you. So they'll, they hate the truth. They hate the gospel. And so the uh, persecution against those who know the truth. Believers will be ab- abused and neglected, ignored, arrested, tried before the court. We're praying about this for persecuted believers around the world. We're not in the tribulation. This will increase during the tribulation. Now you might ask, okay, well what happens here if Christians are raptured before the tribulation? And that's the case. So you start the tribulation and believers are gone. But, we haven't read it in Revelation, but you're going to have the witness of the two witnesses and the 144,000, so God is going to have a witness. Folks will then get saved during the tribulation, and those saved people will be persecuted. We call them tribulation martyrs. They'll be killed. So it's not believers in this present age that we're talking about, but we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, we're always surprised with persecution because it's so horrible. But it's the way the world works. They hate the Lord and his business. And Jesus forewarned about this in other places, not just in the Olivet Discourse, like, for instance, Matthew 10:17. But beware of men, for they shall deliver you up to council. They shall scourge you in their synagogue. Of course, he's mentioning this to the Jewish people, so there's the religious synagogue and the uh, political or civil council. Jesus taught us in John 15 there, 
if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. That's John 15:20. In John 16, verses 1, 2, and 3, these things I've written unto you that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogue. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. Isn't that the attitude of the Islamic people? They think they're doing their God, Allah, a favor by getting rid of Christians. Paul told Timothy that they that will live godly shall suffer persecution. But Jesus' message is take heed to yourself. What should we do in the midst of that persecution? Don't hate them that hate you. Don't render evil for evil. Don't take vengeance into your own hands. That takes the grace of the Lord. We haven't seen that persecution in our own lives. But we need to be ready for that. Take heed to yourselves. This is Dr. Lee Hennice, and we want to thank you for listening to the Hedgemaker broadcast today. Most of our broadcasts are portions of a sermon that I have preached the church. Hedgemaker Baptist Ministries is the preaching, teaching, and writing ministry for myself. You can visit us on the web at hedgemaker.org. And let's be encouraged to stand in the gap and make up the hedge until Jesus comes again. <laughs>